Hey, fellow marketers, welcome to another episode of the Marketing Help Podcast. Now, in case you forgot, the Marketing Help is your number one resource to proactively manage your marketing career. Now, we have job search templates, interviewing guides, uh, mentoring services, and even a newsletter to keep you up to date on all the things that will help you navigate your marketing career, no matter what your level is. So check out all that goodness at themarketinghelp.co. So in your marketing career path, right, from where you start to where you continue to where you end, you know, one of your best options is going to be a digital agency. Now, as I discussed in prior episodes, there are definite pros and cons to working at an agency. Now, one of the best reasons I think to secure a job at a digital agency is as part of your career path is the opportunity to learn a ton quickly. And not just learning a ton, but also uh, building your network very quickly through coworkers, vendors, partners, clients, etc. So today's guest, great guest, uh, Garrett Gillen. Garrett's actually the co-founder of a digital agency, 215 Marketing, and they're based in Philadelphia. And, and Garrett's going to share some great insights on not only what it took for him to develop and grow a digital agency, what goes into that, but he actually has an epiphany during our conversation and, and realizes that there's this one skill that you, you desperately need to have or to be prepared to develop or be prepared to showcase in an interview if you want to succeed in a role at a digital agency. So let's take a listen. And welcome to another episode of the Marketing Help Podcast. Excited for today's guest, Garrett Gillen. Garrett, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. All right. So Garrett, um, you know, part of the Marketing Help, one of the things we're looking to address is helping marketers figure out uh, career paths. And one of those career paths that's very uh, popular is working for a digital agency. So we're going to get into a lot of detail about your digital agency, more about um, how you got there. But first, uh, give us a little background on yourself. I mean, here's what I know about how you start in this industry is that you started as a biotech major in college and now somehow you ended up running a digital agency. So give us uh, some background on how you went from biotech to running a digital agency in Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, uh, it's probably not a very common thing, but I'd like to think that the scientific method is alive and well in marketing. Nice. And uh, definitely psychology plays a big part in it as well. Um, yeah. So I, I grew up actually in a blue collar household, you know, you and I have talked about this. My dad owned a body shop and I was in small business when I was younger. Uh, I was always around other small business owners. And I think, you know, I don't want to say entrepreneurship, uh, but small business was kind of always something I was around. I was always interested in that. And I think when I went away to college, I just kind of was very interested at the end of high school in, into science and biology and specifically pharmaceuticals. Um, and I, thought at that time, that's actually where I wanted to be more in the, I guess, kind of drug or medical device space at a pharmaceutical company. And when I did my undergraduate, I really liked uh, science and healthcare. But when I finally got into a pharmaceutical company, it just was not really what I expected. Everything moved very slow, probably mm -hmm. for good reason. Uh, and then one thing after another, uh, kind of led me down this uh, road towards taking business classes uh, as part of getting into an MBA. And during that, I had uh, a business plan competition. Long story short, what I did for my business plan competition ended up turning into an actual business that I started for two years, which didn't pan out. And then after that, I went to Drexel, uh, where I met John Vogel, my business partner currently, and 215 Marketing kind of started off as just a freelance marketing thing. Mm. And Snowball, six years later, here we are. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. 
So, it, so um, the, the one, it sounds like you learned from a failure there. So the one company that didn't quite make it, what was that company all about? What did you do? Oh, what was that about? Man, uh, a lot of learning uh, happened in that two-year period. I'll tell you, Eric. <laughs> we, uh, we had a discount restaurant website and this was really before, and I don't know, do you recall like when Groupon and, and Living Social and all these kind of blew up? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yes. So there were a bunch, right? It started off with like just those and then there were... I don't even know, like a hundred overnight, like all these daily deal sites, all this was happening. So this was actually kind of before living social, like Groupon had just kind of come on the scene and uh, we had done a discount restaurant website to where it was mostly during the weekdays, like Monday through Thursday. And the whole kind of scheme was off peak hours. So giving restaurant owners the option to only offer discounts for very, very short periods of time on, you know, quote unquote, off peak hours or days. And it was far be- before its time. I mean, it, Groupon actually has a, a product like this called Groupon Now, which I think is working pretty well. And there's other uh, people that do this, but this is before there were even apps. Like we, you had to actually print off a coupon and take it with you to a restaurant. <laughs> so uh, the big kind of takeaway throughout that whole thing, two things. One, was the customer experience. I don't think that the technology existed to where the customer experience with buying deals and taking them somewhere and it being kind of a seamless experience uh, was really possible. So that was definitely against us. Uh, and then secondly, I think that we we overestimated the small business owner's willingness to partake in multiple channels, regardless of if they were free or not. And there was a kind of a funny story with this. Um, I went out to my first restaurant the first day, asked for the owner. I'm wearing, you know, I'm all like in my sales guy clothes, my khakis and button up. And I asked for the owner. The owner comes out. I kind of tell him what I'm there to talk about. He sits me down. I give him the spiel. And he's like, oh yeah, this seems like a no brainer. And he signs up my first guy I talk to. And I walk out and I'm like, this is going to be the easiest thing ever. I'm going to sign up every restaurant in Jersey. Uh, I didn't sign anyone up for three more months. <laughs> I went to like 100 more restaurants and nobody would talk to me. They would tell me to come back. And when I came back, they were closed. The owner would tell me he's not the owner and the owner's not there. You know, it was just the whole thing, right? Nobody wanted to talk to a sales guy. So I'm complaining about this to a friend of mine because like literally I did, like I did believe this was a really good value and there was really no risk on the restaurant part. And, uh, he starts laughing when I'm telling him what's happening. And he's like, yeah, well, you're making your first mistake. You know, you're thinking that these people that own businesses are business people. And he's like, you're talking to, you know, chefs or, you know, people that have an experience in that. And that was really a light bulb moment for me. And that's actually something that stuck with me even today, right? Because we, uh, we don't work with as many very small businesses as we once did. But that's always something to where these companies, and, and actually, I'd love to hear, you know, your your input into this, obviously, w- with your experience with Aweber working with very small companies as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, they oftentimes are their own worst enemy because they, they want to control everything. They have a mistrust for agencies or products or things like that. And, and maybe they're really, really good at their craft. They usually are, um, but they may sort of lack an, a, an openness or a willingness to diversify or invest. Exactly. Because I think because of that, the... Um the aversion to risk is fairly high, especially in areas where they don't necessarily understand. And mm-hmm. that's where there's usually a, um, a reticence to testing things, even if there's proof that says, you know, what's the worst that can happen? It's, a, it's an investment. 
a couple hundred dollars here or maybe a thousand dollars over a couple of months. Uh, but you're right. It's, it's, they're comfortable knowing what they know, which is their business, but they don't necessarily understand the, the impact or the value of investing in marketing. Yeah. And I see this firsthand, even with, you know, my own dad growing up and he just was very old school, you know, it's all word of mouth. And even when advertising first started, he didn't really jump on the boat and, you know, his business paid the price for it, you know, as well. And we still get into conversations around this because I think it's a, it's somewhat of a generational thing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's unfortunate because some people build really, really good businesses and they do really good work, but they have trouble looking at marketing like an investment. Right. So all this experience, it sounds like early on where you had this venture that seemed like it was, you know, ahead of its time in some ways, all that patterned you for when you tackled running your digital agency. So it sounds like two and five marketing started as kind of a freelance thing that gained some, some, some steam and you got some more clients, another client, another client. So talk us through kind of that, that pattern when the freelance thing, you know, what did you start offering? How did you start offering services from a digital marketing uh, perspective? And then just, you know, run us through from the early days to now. And what were some of the greatest challenges in getting that agency from the, the freelance stage to now? Yeah, well, you know, I guess even that that first business, uh, when I kind of look at that and sort of what where was my mind at when I was thinking about what that business was going to be or, or how we were going to help restaurants. I wasn't really looking at it from a marketing perspective. I was looking at it from a business perspective saying, you know, businesses don't get traffic on Monday through Wednesday and they can't fill their tables and why, right? There's a whole bunch of reasons why <laughs> we won't, mm-hmm. we won't waste time getting into that. Right. But I was very much approaching it more from like a business model perspective and trying to solve business issues with marketing and sales tactics. And when I got through that business into grad school and I had a, a bunch of friends that owned businesses um, and they would have these business problems, right? And, and most of the time, my recommendations with them would be with sales and marketing tactics. Um, and that's really where you know 215 started off was mostly consultants that uh, kind of knew how to bridge this gap between let's talk about you know your sales and your product and your service and then how can we better communicate that and, and what technology can you use um, and to be quite honest that's where we we started and where we are right now but there was a really you know long period of time and you and I have talked about this a number of times right. where we had to deviate from what we were best at because we didn't really know how to convey that or we didn't have a portfolio that uh, could kind of get us the the types of clients we wanted, we had to say, we do websites, we do advertising, we do these things. When at the end of the day, what, we're, what we were and what we are really strong at is marketing and sales consulting and then implementing certain tactics. We are, we are I think, a top-tier advertising, uh, digital advertising agency, uh, CRM, things like that. Mm-hmm. But it's difficult because nobody wants to pay for consulting. Nobody wants to pay any marketer for planning. <laughs> right, right. They want they want you to do and they want to pay for that. But a lot of the value and and where I kind of like being is more in an in a discovery. I like kind of understanding what are the business problems. Well, you know, should you even be focused on marketing? Maybe that's not even your problem. Right. But it also sounds just thinking through your specific path, like you're solving business problems translated into an agency by continuing to solve business problems. So it sounds like, and I like the approach the two and five marketing has, which is 
solving business problems as opposed to throwing marketing tactics, you know, against the wall to see what sticks. Um, when you think of, you know, constructing the agency environment, um, you know, knowing that our audience is a lot of marketers that are looking for first-time jobs, you know, they, they, they may be considering working for an agency uh, or someone may be working at another agency and just, you know, it's time for a change. I want another agency to work for, you know, what, what is, what is the, the, the push or what is the, what can you tell our audience in terms of why working at an agency is a, a good idea as a part of your career? I, I think agencies are very valuable experience, even if you don't stay in them. And I think it's similar to working in a small business. You're, you're almost working with a lot of small businesses, hopefully. Right. right. Um, but I also think it depends on, on the agency and on the clientele. I would very much urge everybody to, at least for a short period of time, work in an agency that works with small businesses because you're held accountable to the bottom line. <laughs> right. yep. Whereas, you know, I have friends that work at huge agencies in New York and we'll talk and it's like night and day, <laughs> right? They're like, yeah, I have a $2 million communi- quote unquote communications budget <laughs> right. and uh, we have no KPIs. We yeah. just have to raise awareness and, and yeah, we'll do a focus group or we'll do like a reach study. And that is not at all how most businesses operate. The vast majority of businesses want to know what did my dollars get me? Uh, you know, I'm, I, you know I, I don't know what your experience was when you were working with those small businesses when you had your agency, Eric. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, for us, uh, that's a value because it pushes us to be accountable and it forces us to really understand where every dollar goes and to make better, more pragmatic decisions. Yeah. Cause, cause when I had my agency and we were supporting small businesses, it did, you know, it was always performance focused. It was always performance driven. Uh, don't spend a dollar unless you can point to some tangible outcome from it. And that, that was very foundational in my career because it, it, it like you're saying, it allowed me to always think performance first even when I was getting those $2 million a month budgets and uh, you know, sure branding's a piece of it. You got to branding factors into the campaign. However, if you're thinking about it from a performance and outcome standpoint, you're talking about all those outcomes, even, even including branding. Uh, But I agree. It's, it's whether it's working for an agency that has small business clients or working for your friend who, who has an online store and they need help with marketing, help them figure it out. Um, but you're aligning with, you know, you care about the outcomes because you're being measured on performance. So, you know, try to find yourself in a situation where you're being measured on performance. And I know a lot of people listening are probably like, Hey, what's that agency again? I'd love to go work somewhere where there's no KPIs and I can spend money on branding. (laughs) Uh, if you have the opportunity to work in those sorts of agencies, go for it. But you know, there's nothing more telling or nothing that will actually, I think, test your, um, marketing acumen than being put in a position to help a business solve a, ch- a business challenge using marketing strategy and tactics, uh, but, but being measured against that. So, yeah, so I, I actually have a question for you, Eric. So yeah. my recommendation, I kind of a blanket statement here, uh, getting experience at a small agency working with small businesses, because you're probably going to be put in a position to do more things. Now, if you are interviewing and you have an offer letter, let's say from 215 Marketing, mm-hmm. and you have an offer letter from, I don't even know, big New York agency, you're going to be working on Nike. Yep. Right? Yep. Now, I know that the person that works here or at another similar agency is going to learn 
10 times more. They're going to be a much better business person, a much better marketer. But this isn't the shiny name that's going to get them their next job at Google. Yeah. But for example, when you're employing people as an executive, are you holding, is there, is there bias? And it's almost that there's always going to be some inherent bias around a small agency versus some big shiny letters, the same way as somebody that goes to an Ivy League college versus you know, normal college. It's, it's a struggle, right? So I'm sure that a lot of listeners might even kind of be thinking along those lines, well, yeah, I'd love to get that experience, but that brand name's not going to carry. Right. Well, I think it ties to, you know, if, if you figure out your career path, right? If you always want to work at Google, always want to work for Facebook, always want to work for a big company or one of the big names, uh, a path to get there absolutely is going to be either working at another big name brand or uh, working at an agency that has handled that big name brand. Um, I can't tell you the number of uh, jobs I've been turned down at because I didn't have the cachet or the experience working on the, the, the big name brands that mattered to them at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that does matter if your end goal was to get to uh, companies uh, that are of the same ilk. Um, you know, work on big brands to go work for a big brand is kind of a way to think about it. But again, it doesn't mean, mean you have to go work at those companies. You have to work with those companies potentially at, at an agency. Now, if I'm interviewing someone who has experience working with small businesses in a, in a, uh, uh, in a way that helped them grow their business tangibly, uh, that's going to come out in the interview where someone's going to be able to speak intelligently about uh, how to piece together a strategy, um, how to work a marketing funnel, how to use the right tools to stitch things together uh, versus someone who may say, yes, I worked on the Nike account, but I was you know, an account executive that took call notes and I learned a ton by going to meetings, but they weren't really doing anything that was, that was, that was tactical or um, executional. Uh, so again, it could just be, uh, what kind of position that you're interviewing for, uh, but also where do you want to go in your career? Because there are paths that have you being the account executive that can kill it no matter what agency you work at and you know how to kind of be the brand whisperer and you can work on any top name brand that you've shown progress on the path. But if you're looking for somebody to be, if you're looking to be the digital marketer that is the practitioner and you enjoy kind of getting results, uh, then you know uh, there's 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 no harm in going the work at an agency to help businesses grow. Mm-hmm. Good question though. Um, so so for for two and five, I mean, you know the I like the ideas that you said about why why to work for an agency at all, right? Because you know fast pace, you know something we've talked about in other episodes here in the podcast are, you know, it gives you that accessibility to. Um, not just not just move quickly in learning things, but also you know be the the chance to be the solution provider uh, by educating and learning things yourself. Um, so and getting exposed to more of the channels also. I think doing a lot of things, doing more than what's expected of you, is kind of commonplace in an agency because things are moving so fast, and client needs no one can predict what they are or what they will be. Um, so, so there is definitely definite value in investing your career in an agency at that level or at any level to get, to get that benefit. Now, tell me more about like two and five, when you think about, you know, why people love working there, you know, agencies, you know, I've, I've consulted and mentored some students that have gone and interviewed a bunch of different agencies. And the one thing they tell me when they come back from the interview is they, they really got a sense for the culture and they got a sense for the difference, differences between the cultures. So in, in building 215, 
you know, what are some things that you've done to instill kind of a culture, you know, A, how did you determine what your culture would be? And then B, what are you doing to enforce that culture and build that culture as you, uh, as you've expanded the team? Yeah, we just started actually talking about this culture topic <laughs> among the company because we've been so, I mean, we're relatively young still, six years old. We haven't, we haven't been talking about the, that or focused with that. That doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. It just hasn't been something we've even thought, you know, how would we define this? And we've recently built uh, a bunch of training documentation. And one of those training documents was a culture deck. Mm-hmm. And it's difficult because we are extremely, and I feel like everyone says this, but I, I don't think a lot of people actually mean it. We're extremely client focused. Literally, I don't want people to even think that they work in an agency. I want them to think that they work for their clients, mm-hmm. for our clients. And at the end of the day, that is reflected in a lot of what we do, including when we make mistakes not saying, oh, well, it's our billable time, blah, blah, blah. Like we made a mistake, we own up to it. We we either comp it or reimburse it or we find some way like this. You have to treat this like it's your company. So that really stems, I think, from John and myself both coming from small business households where we we understand what it was like for a business owner to experience a poor relationship with someone or a mistake. And when you are working with these small businesses, a small mistake can be a big deal, right? Right. If you lose five thousand or ten thousand dollars, or maybe not even lose, but you do something that necessarily uh, was kind of the wrong direction, you have to be willing to kind of work with that owner and and overcome that. And that relationship needs to be a relationship. It can't be you know an agency contract. Mm-hmm. And I think our that whole relationship focus really stemmed from John and I's background, how we dealt firsthand with our clients, how our employees see us interact with our clients, the things we do and say um, to those clients and to them about you know how to work with them. And I think that's really kind of what has led the culture. It's just a lead by example type situation. Um, but beyond that, I mean, the, the work hard thing, I mean, we have a very low tolerance for what we call objective mistakes. Mm-hmm. We do not expect typos to go out. We do not expect... Uh, you know, ads pointed to the wrong geography, like, you know, who knows? Um, those kind of things are, are huge no-nos here. And there's a extremely low tolerance. I mean, it's almost like a one and done yeah. type situation. We try to set that expectation up front. So, so, so happen. right. So it almost feels like, you know, like you're saying, you're trying to figure out the culture, but if I were to interview somebody who just interviewed with you guys and ask them, Hey, what was the interview like at two on five marketing, their perception of the culture uh, may be kind of what you want it to be just based off of the expectations that you're laying out in that conversation. Uh, so, so it almost feels like you're kind of doing, you're, you're setting the expectation that you want, which by doing that is also laying the foundation for what is a perceived culture before somebody determines if they want to take their job or not. Not that that's that, a bad thing. Really interesting. You say that actually, cause John and I, we have a bunch of phone calls. Like we have a bunch of short, interviews before somebody comes in and interviews with both John and I. And the goal there is that we don't want to waste anyone's time, right? We don't want to waste our time. We don't want to waste the candidate's time. And I think a lot of that is just being extremely honest about what they should expect here and and what is going to cause a problem. And we like to say all of that (laughs) before, because the worst thing that could happen is that everyone's like, oh yeah, we're too scared to say, you know, what's really going to cause tension here. And then maybe you can't type quickly. 
yeah. and then that becomes a huge problem because you can't create content fast enough and it just you know it just kind of makes the relationship not be uh, the the type of relationship that we want with our employees here, which is we want to coach, we want to develop, but we can't do that if there are some um, traits that that individual has that just aren't really compatible with this agency environment. Right. But by nature of you guys having those phone calls, anyone who makes it past those phone calls, I by A, answering the right way and giving you the answers that you like to hear, uh, but also meeting them, but then making it past those two rounds to get into an in-person interview means, yeah, this person's all in on your your concept or or approach of we expect you to um, you know do certain things and not make certain mistakes or or produce certain work that is at a certain degree of quality. Mm-hmm. If someone's into that, then that's the person you want on your team. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and we and this is this agency specifically is not somewhere for someone that doesn't care about client work. So <laughs> right, we, right. Yeah, we need them to be a hundred percent bought in. So, so if I'm someone who's interviewing, think about interviewing at agencies. Um, I, you know, I'm new to the game, and I'm, I've interviewed other agencies before. But advice you can give people that are looking for that interviewing with agencies, kind of 101. Uh, what are some things that you've seen that if you could p- pass some advice on to our listeners, you know, hey, if anyone's looking to get ready to interview for an agency, you got to do do what? Like, what's the advice you can give them? Hmm. Other than be prepared and um, there's a process involved and, you know, it may take more than one call. Yeah, there's, you know, there, it's interesting because I think that it somewhat depends on the agency and the role, but I think that one thing that kind of makes me a little bit uneasy is when they don't have questions and, and and questions, not just to have questions, right? Like good questions around, they should be somewhat interviewing you. Right. And I, and, and I've actually had this conversation with John as well. Do people feel uncomfortable? And, and Eric, you might have more experience in this and you, I'd love to hear your answer on this. Sure. Do they feel uncomfortable asking questions to kind of vet the, employer or their potential direct report. And I, we like to actually say in our meetings, it's like now's the time to talk. And I'll literally chime in and say, and and don't hold anything back. The goal here is that, you know, we're entering into something that we both want. So if you do have questions, you know, feel free to, to just speak extremely candidly. Um, and I think that it, it definitely is an issue to me. And it, it's something of a red flag if they say no, no questions, or they ask one or two super generic questions that don't make any, you know, don't make any difference. <laughs> right. Like what's a typical day like and what's the culture like? And yeah. And again, hey, n- not that there's anything wrong with those questions, but the reality is, is that the expectations are, you know, there's so much accessible information that you should know where both of you guys went to college. You should know the clients that you have on, on uh, your roster. You should do some uh, quick diagnostics on your website in terms of RUAB testing. There's so many easy things to point out. And I, you know, I asked this question of a lot of people that we interview and they all kind of lean on the same thing, which it bears repeating because tomorrow, the next day, next month, there's going to be people that interview at any marketing job and they end up by saying, when they're asked any questions, they say, no, I'm good. And, you know, it bothers me that that's still okay with people because I don't know that it's so much them being afraid, um, as much as it is, you know, really understanding how the, the interview works and it's okay to prepare questions. Uh, all the great hires I've made in my career, uh, I'd like to think are, are ones that were engaged in the interview and did have questions that went beyond the standard 
and it showed that they did just a little bit of preparation, even just to acknowledge clients' uh, backgrounds, uh, industry, the business, you know, all the obvious things that are accessible through any Google search. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, it's tough because I think that part of it, though, and and I I don't know the answer to this, but some employers or interviewers might not take that the right way if they would ask very, I I guess, guess kind of direct questions. But I'd I'd almost pose the question to anybody listening, do you want to work at a place like that Mm. to where your employer doesn't like to be not necessarily even challenged, but... um, put you in a position to where you feel comfortable and you're asking questions to make you feel comfortable and to set proper expectations. Those are two things in my, you know, those two words, education and expectations are huge in agency world, yeah. not only with your clients, but also internally. And I think that that should also be the way that interviews are conducted. You know, you have to set proper expectations both ways. And if there's a miscommunication or a misunderstanding, you have to educate each other on, on maybe why you're feeling that way or why things are that way. Yeah, and I think those listening that are preparing for interviews or have had interviews, you may remember being uh, prompted by the HR person, the re- the recruiter, uh, who said, um, you know, you know, interviews next Thursday at two o'clock, uh, come prepared, and they may even said like have some answers ready to go, like just trying to help you be ready. Um, when you hear that, to me, that's a that's an open door to just uh, show that you're thinking, show that you really want the job, do some research and come prepare with questions that are beyond the standard. Uh, and you're right, expectations, it, it, exactly, because as inter- people that are interviewing for the job, you're expecting to be asked certain questions from the business. Um, why should we ch- pick you? Um, you know, what would you change about what we're doing? Uh, but the expectations as the interviewer, you may, interviewee, you may want to be asked some questions that aren't that. So it, the, the expectation, or I should say the, the preparation could be on both sides too, but that's a whole other podcast. So. Yeah. Uh, so cool, man. This is this is good stuff. So quickly, you know, working for an agency, we, we talked about what it entails. Uh, there's some listeners out there that I'm sure have, have done the agency thing maybe for a couple of years. Uh, they're thinking, you know what? Hey, interesting story. I've done some freelance work. I'm ready to kind of t- tune up my own agency. What's the advice you would give to them that says, hey, if you're out there thinking about running your own agency, um, heed my words. Uh, what's the advice you would give to them <laughs> other than don't do it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Prepare to uh, deal with a lot of blank. Right? <laughs> so, uh, no, I think that no, really, I, I this is an interesting uh, question because I always hear answers that are talking about being really, really good at one thing and you have to, you know, really focus on one uh, either vertical or one service and you have to be the best at it. I don't necessarily agree with that, mostly because I don't think that's realistic for people starting their own business. Most people don't have the luxury to pick and choose their clients at the beginning. Right. And what I can say is that the absolute most critical part of starting your own agency or freelancing, doing side work, whatever it is, is just protecting your reputation. Mm. And you do that through one, making sure you set expectations and that they can hopefully be met, but doing whatever it takes to actually meet them. And sometimes that, you know, means taking a loss. And just to kind of give an example here, when we were incubated in the business uh, incubator at Drexel University during our MBA, we were freelance marketing and Drexel had an RFP out for one of their websites. 
And it would be great to have Drexel as a portfolio, you know, client for two on five marketing. And we basically lowballed this RFP. I don't remember the thing. It was literally probably 20% of any other, you know, bid out there. Right. We ended up getting it and we lost money. Yeah. But we came in, you know, obviously on budget from what they thought was budget, we'd lost money, but we, we basically capped it at whatever we said we were going to bill. Uh, we devoted tons of manpower. We, you know, emails back and forth. Everything was really, really tight. So we did a good job of protecting their reputation, even at a loss. But sometimes you have to do that to get that client, to get that opportunity. Um, so yeah, that's really my advice is, is really if you're going to start your own thing and, and whether that's a small thing or you know a big thing, it you have to protect your reputation. You're not going to have the luxury of picking and choosing who you work with, uh, but you can pick and choose how you get it done and you need to make sure you're you're aligning with the right people. You're providing the right things that make sense. Um, you're going above and beyond to meet expectations. Right. And in addition to that, I'd also say, um, you know, not just protecting your reputation, but a way to do that or part of that is, uh, you know, having references, having referenceable clients that yep. do the work for free just to have the client that loves you and loves the work you do and can speak and defend you and present you to any other uh, network or community that would also want your business, which ties into the word of mouth, the power of word of mouth. Yeah. Um, With that said, nobody, (laughs) this is crazy. Not not a lot of people, I don't want to say nobody, not a lot of people simply ask for referrals. Right. It's crazy to me. I'll I'll talk to friends that own businesses and I'm like, well, have you asked any of your clients that you have really good relationships with for a referral? And they're like, no, I don't want to do that. That's weird. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> That's the absolute easiest thing you can possibly do. <laughs> right, exactly. So don't be scared to ask. <laughs> right, make the ask because you're right, you never know. If you're doing good work, you should have nothing to fear. And it actually, it's a, it's a, it's a sign of building trust too by asking that question. So yep. uh, good pointer. So let's, let's think back, you know, if you had to go back uh, five years ago, and you had a chance to kind of uh, meet yourself five years ago, both from an agency owner standpoint, but also from just a marketer. Uh, what advice would you give yourself? From an agency owner perspective or me actually producing work? How about both? Yeah. Uh, from an agency owner perspective, I would have spent more time training employees. I think looking back... Um, I definitely micromanaged too much. And that's not to say, you know, micromanaging is necessarily a bad thing in a, in, a, in that situation that we were in, but I didn't teach. I tried to just tell them what to do and then have them reproduce it, but they couldn't really apply it. And looking back on that, that was, that was a big mistake. I think that slowed a lot of things down. Um, and I think that, what I would tell myself now, because we do this now, is that we need to devote unbillable time to team learning sessions. We need to invest in our people. Mm-hmm. And that seems crazy in the beginning, right? And, and again, I want to be very realistic because I went through this. The old me would have said, I have no time, right? right? But the old me could have also, you know, not gone to the bar on a, on a Friday and not been able to make it to the office on a Saturday morning, right? <laughs> so, That's right. That's right. Uh, it's all about choices. So I think that uh, I would have, uh, you know, been much more willing to invest in uh, the employees that we had here and and making sure we trained them them correctly, and we're more open to investing, you know, quote unquote, unbillable time in that. So that's definitely my recommendation for the owner side. In terms of 
production, I think that we had a difficult time getting people to understand the hmm, holistic nature of, of what we were proposing. And we, we fell into a lot of traps to where somebody would only want us or only allow us to do one thing. Mm-hmm. And that really, really put us at a disadvantage because it's all tied together, right? So we would say something like, uh, yeah, we can 100% do you know, this website and we're going to make this great website. And we wouldn't either, do, we wouldn't recommend it or we wouldn't do a good job educating them on it. But they kind of started to look at us like a website company. And when the website project was done, we'd start talking about advertising or this or that. And they just were like, no, 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 we're good. We, we just wanted the website. But it's like having a Ferrari in your garage with no gas. Right. 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 So I think that that was a really difficult thing for us to figure out. How do we how do we better convey the value that we can produce by offering a wide service set? Because that's very difficult to kind of explain to somebody, especially when you're you, we were inexperienced at the time to a certain degree. Um, and a lot of things that we've done at the agency to date have been to transition ourselves to invest more in discovery periods. Whereas before, we would kind of just send a contract. They would say, I want a website. We'd send them a website contract. Right. And that set a terrible precedent. Now they say, I want a website. And we say, okay, you have to pay us for a short-term discovery consulting engagement to where we'll talk about the website, but we'll educate you on where that fits into the bigger thing. And you'll, you'll probably end up realizing that what you actually need is advertising and email marketing. (laughs) right? Um, And it took us a while to get there. So I think from a marketer perspective, educating the clients was something that I would preach to myself if I could talk to the five years ago, Garrett. Yeah, that's good stuff because I think there's a lot of businesses, even agencies that, um, you know, fall into that same bucket of uh, wanting to always want to, should have, could have, would have invested more into my people whether it's from a mentoring standpoint, from a career development standpoint, from a, a certification standpoint, because uh, guess what? You know, if you're not doing that, then you're not trying to reduce the churn of your team because everyone's going to to move on in 24 months. Uh, but but definitely some 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 good advice that uh, I know you guys are, are working on moving forward. So uh, all good things there. So value wise, when it comes to the marketers, those listening, you know, I like to ask everybody this because everyone has a different perspective. What are the resources you go to for your con for resources, both from a content meaning digital marketing landscape, but also uh, career, not just yourself, but maybe advice that you're giving someone else. Like what are some resources you could uh, um, share with our, our, our audience? Yeah. Well, I, this right here is a great resource, right? So real pragmatic talk about how to make yourself a better marketer or make yourself more marketable rather. (laughs) Um, There's a ton of free resources. Coursera's uh, courses on marketing. They have a bunch of good ones there. A lot of free resources online. Uh, I would actually say one one thing I'll say, Eric, is that this kind of made me just think of something. A lot of these resources I was about to just rattle off are about marketing. And I think in the agency world, and this kind of, I guess, maybe uh, touches on a few things we've talked about. If someone's interviewing one thing we're always concerned about is not how good of a marketer they are. It's how, how well organized and how good of a manager they are because that's really what you're doing with your clients. Mm-hmm. You're interfacing with clients. You're interfacing with internal teams or stakeholders. You're involved, if not managing directly, the projects or tactics or whatever you're doing. 
And I think that's a skill that's often overlooked. And I think something that could be made more prominent on a resume and maybe even brought up if it's a strength in an interview, I think that that would really stand out to me. So the resources that I would probably point people to, I, you know, obviously the normal marketing type stuff, but I would also urge people look into account management, project management. And I think that's a topic in itself to talk about at an agency that would definitely make you stand out thinking about it. Just this kind of just made me start thinking about this. Nobody's asked me, how do you manage clients? The questions are always around tactics. Mm-hmm. And it's, actually, it's very interesting. So I think that if somebody would start asking me questions about the management aspects of the agency, that would definitely be something notable that that would be um, a, a, definite, a definite good thing <laughs> that they're asking those types of questions. Um, and that would make me feel more comfortable as well, knowing that you know this is something that they're aware of. That's a big part of the job. Um, and they've gone out and they've, read about this. They've looked into resources. Maybe they've started taking some certificates on project management. Um, yeah. So those resources are actually probably something that I think maybe are more valuable that are often overlooked. Right. And you bring up a good point there. And you give actually a very good insider tip there. That is how to, um, how to showcase your thinking in an interview by asking questions that go beyond the tactics. Because a lot of people focus in on the thing they're interviewing for at the tactical level, as opposed to the operational level, which is uh, how to operate projects and clients. So yeah. the, here's the good news. The best news of all this is the resources that you're referencing. Uh, everyone can just go to Google and just Google <laughs> account management courses free or what have you. You'll get Udemy, you'll get Coursera, but uh, invest 30 minutes, an hour of your time, and you have a, at least understand the, the approaches and, the, and the, the terminology. And you may be doing some of it today in a college, in like a group project for college, or you may have done it at another company, just didn't realize it. So, you know, in some ways, this is a great tip for folks looking to get into agencies because you're right. There's a lot of moving parts. Uh, acknowledging your account management, project management skill sets or experiences is definitely a win. Mm-hmm. Cool. Great stuff. So that's going to do it here. Good talk here on the world of agency agencies and agency life and what it takes to run an effective agency. So I want to thank uh, Garrett for his time today. And uh, this is going to wrap it up for another episode of the Marketing Help. Uh, thanks, Garrett, for joining us today. Yeah, thanks a lot. All right, great stuff. Big thanks to Garrett for joining us today and giving us those great insights on what it takes to succeed in a digital agency role uh, and, and also what it takes to build and run a digital agency. All great insights. And, and really so true about people and project management skills. Uh, critical for any agency roles, there's always a lot of moving parts, always a need to be comfortable managing chaos. Again, if you think about it, you probably do have these skills currently. Uh, You just need to identify them and make them part of your conversations, uh, not just in the interview, but once you get into that role. So check the show notes for resources that uh, Garrett mentioned, plus uh, ways that you can connect with Garrett. And if if you too want to help marketing students or professionals be better prepared for their career journey, Go ahead and just share the podcast or leave a rating and review wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And as always, if let me know if there's anything I can do to help you in your marketing career, whether it's tips on job searching, interviewing, if you want to develop a marketer's resume, listen, or if you're just stuck in your career, you need some marketing mentor support, uh, just let's start a conversation. Email me at eric, E-R-I-K, at themarketinghelp.co. And until next time, this is your host, Eric Harbison. Happy marketing.